coming to planet Earth and invading our story, bringing peace and bringing your light, bringing your love to, to us, Lord, at Christmas. We celebrate that and we thank you for that today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. Could we, uh, could we celebrate and just applaud our creative team? What a great job they did today. They do a great job all the time, but incredible at Christmas, playing all those fun chords and well done, guys. Appreciate you guys so much. Thank you to everyone who brought cookies, decorated, set stuff up, work with the kids. Kids did great. Kids can't hear us, but give them a cheer too. So good to be with you today. And uh, we had a little bit of an adventure this morning at first service, but our dear Laura is here with us. Laura, wave at me if you're here. She here? She was here. She might be here. Okay. But anyway, she's doing good. So anyways, we had a little bit of a medical thing, but she's doing great. So praise God. Today, I want to welcome you and say Merry Christmas. I'm glad we're here together celebrating. You all look so nice, especially those of you that also chose to wear the uh, red plaid. I see a red plaid bag right there. Very nice. Very, very chic, if I do say, dare say so myself. Excited to be with you guys today. I have a question for you, though. What do you get when you combine Arnold Schwarzenegger, a 75-foot-tall fir tree, and a freak ice storm? Well, today you're going to find out. But first, let's talk about the true meaning of Christmas. We all know the true meaning of Christmas. Presents. No, okay, no, no. I'm just kidding. It's Christmas trees. No, we all, no, okay, sorry. It's fudge. Anybody? Hey, guys, you can laugh. It's okay. Everybody's a little nervous. No, okay, I know we're in church, so let's do the right one. It's Jesus, right? We'll behave. The true meaning of Christmas is Jesus, God's perfect gift to a desperately imperfect world. And we'll talk more about Jesus. We'll talk more about his gift to us, God's gift of Christ to us in just a minute. But before we get into that, I want to talk about the magic of Christmas. You know, when I say the magic of Christmas, I'm talking about that sense of nostalgia, uh, that Almost like you've heard this beautiful song that you can't remember the name of that ever happened to anybody. You heard it on the radio. Some of you under the age of, uh, of 30 have never, you don't even know why those cars have those dials on them. But for those of us that grew up in the 80s and 90s, you hear your song and it was like a train going by, ah, and then it was gone, right? And if you caught the end of a song that you liked, you might not even know what it was called. Now we have Shazam, right? You just hit it on your app and you can hear what, it'll tell you what the song is. But that sense of, of hearing a beautiful song you can't remember the name of or that taste of a recipe, maybe at a restaurant you love this dish but you can't seem to duplicate it and it becomes this dream or this thing that you chase the rest of your life, right? That sense of nostalgia. And for me, Christmas is a lot like that. I have been chasing the perfect Christmas ever since I was a little kid. Now, I have this memory. I'm a very small child at this point. I think I'm in a Hallmark shop or something like that. Uh, you know, if the, the Hallmark shop at the mall at Christmas is like, they do it up right. You know what I mean? And uh, some of, how many of you like Hallmark movies? Raise your hand if you like Hallmark movies. All right, we're going to pray for you guys today. And um, those are objectively bad guys. Seriously, those are, whew. I mean, I guess if you just drink, drink maple syrup for Christmas too, then you, it's the same thing. I'm just teasing. I'm having fun. But I remember as a small child being in this Hallmark shop or something like it and it's right around Christmas time in my memory. I've got a cup of hot cocoa the right way with marshmallows melting inside. Uh, I vividly remember the smell of cranberry and spice in the air. I'm looking at in this shop, one of those ceramic Christmas villages. 
that rich people have. You know what I'm talking about? You go to your rich grandma, she's got like the whole village, right? We could afford like the local Walmart was on our, you know, was we had, (laughs) thank you, Matt, for laughing. We had that one, you know, it was like the one that mom got, it was cracked on the back, but she got it on a discount, you know what I'm saying? Clearance. Anyways, uh, in this Hallmark shop, I see this ceramic village and I'm looking at all the little figures and the little fake snow, thinking about the hustle and bustle of Christmas. And I look up in the shop and I see the festive ornaments hanging on the trees and the Christmas cards on the shelves there. And remember looking over and there's this giant stuffed teddy bear with a Santa hat on his head sitting next to this beautiful white flock tree. And under the tree is a pile of expertly wrapped gifts, which was tantalizing to the imagination of a small boy who can hardly contain his excitement for the gifts waiting for him under the tree at home. And I remember thinking like, I can't wait to open these presents. I remember Christmas carols are playing over the radio and and the Christians are greeting each other with Merry Christmas and the atheists are like, Happy Holidays. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You know, those of you that come to know me in the real world off, off, off Sunday know that I'm, I'm only slightly well-behaved on Sunday. This is the real me. I'm, uh, my humor is like this. Okay, moving on. Every time the door opens, a draft of wintry air blows in. I think it was even snowing outside. And, uh, but then as the door would shut, the warmth of, of the shop would wrap around and shut out Jack Frost and his minions. And I just remember the air is literally bursting with that thing we call Christmas magic. My mom grabs my hand and says, okay, time to go. And then my memory fades. But here's what I know about this time. At that moment, at least in my memory, everything is perfect. I was simultaneously completely content, but also deliriously excited about the coming deluge of Christmas experiences, driving around to look at Christmas lights, setting out the cookies and milk for Santa Claus, spending Christmas Eve in front of the Christmas tree with my siblings and trying to sleep, right? Waking mom and dad up before the sun to open presents. How many of you with small kids know if you can hit 5 a.m. before the kids come and get you, you're doing good, right? You're a winner on Christmas. Bethany and I don't even go to sleep on Christmas anymore. The kids are coming in at 2 in the morning. We're like, let's do it, you know. (laughs) We're ready to go. My little heart was filled to the brim. Now, as I look back at this memory at this time, that moment is lodged in my subconscious. This perfect Hallmark Christmas, this perfect moment nostalgic and thick as warm eggnog. Gross. But just total Christmas. Now, that's not always how Christmas goes. Like I said, I've been kind of chasing this ideal, that feeling, that sense. But sometimes Christmas falls a little short of our expectations. Really, it's a matter of perspective. Let me tell you this story, for example. Mark and Lisa were assembling the perfect Christmas gift for their children one Christmas. They'd ordered a kit for a treehouse and received the plans for it. However, the materials they received were for a sailboat. They were furious, so they wrote the company to complain. The company's reply, while we regret the inconvenience this mistake must have caused you, it is nothing compared to that of the man who is out on a lake somewhere trying to sail your treehouse. <laughs> that piece of information definitely changes things, doesn't it? If you're like most of us, you're You've got plans for the perfect Christmas. Family gathered around the table with some roast beast, right, to eat. Uh, Presents under the tree, hot cocoa in hand, of course, with marshmallows melting, while Bing Crosby croons a Christmas carol softly in the background. But what happens when all that perfect Christmas, when it goes awry? Well, 
I can speak from personal experience because I know exactly what happens. It happened to me. Several years ago, we had purchased a, a home. We had this Christmas misadventure, I'll tell you about, and it's a real doozy. Um, sorry, I lost my place. I remember it well. We were enjoying all the fun and frivolity of the Christmas season, buying presents, driving around, driving around to look at Christmas lights, enjoying annoying other people with our overabundance of Christmas spirit. You know the drill, how you annoy people with how Christmassy you are, right? Playing Christmas carols all the time. You got to make sure that you're always whistling jingle bells so everyone gets it stuck in their head. Actually, let me take a little break from my notes here. I was playing a little game in the office this week. I don't know if any of the staff were here, but I was, there's John, I see John. I was whistling things and trying to get it stuck in people's head. And I got you, John. <laughs> I got him because I was in the office and I, I was sitting in there and I had whistled through the office and then I could hear him whistling the same tune. So now he's on to my wiles, my, my tricks and schemes. But at Christmas time, you know, you get into an elevator or something and and you've just cursed that person now for the next three days. They will have that stuck in their head, right? You guys okay today, everybody? I think we're having a, a diabetic moment. Everyone ate too many cookies and is it kind of asleep. I'm just teasing. Okay, so we're, we're doing all the things with, at Christmas, uh, playing Christmas carols, humming jingle bells incessantly, really making sure to use the word Christmassy a lot, like, oh, I feel Christmassy today. How many of you had your Christmassy moment today, right? You're singing the carols, and maybe you had that already. Maybe you're a bah humbug person. I don't know. But we really get into Christmas. We enjoy it. And one of our favorite Christmas traditions is watching Christmas movies. It's the perfect opportunity for me, as a dad, to really score some points. It's a win-win, because I get to connect uh, what I do almost every other night, which is sit on the couch and watch TV while ignoring my kids with a fun, family-oriented tradition, sitting on the couch watching TV while ignoring my kids, but now it's family night. Just because the movie on the screen is Christmassy, so dads, take notes. That's pro-dadness right there. You're like, I'm not just watching TV ignoring you guys. I'm, we're watching this Christmas movie together. So there we are, getting our Christmassy on early that year, uh, really living it up, and here's why. Because we had purchased this new house, and we were slated to move the week before Christmas, which is a great idea to try to move right before Christmas. So we have all the decorations out and life is normal. Uh, decorations out and life is normal in the living room where we're watching this movie. But the rest of the house, as you know, if you've ever moved before, which I'm sure you have, is this tornado of boxes and wrapping and stuff. And everything is kind of half in, half out. We're trying to move house and it's a, it's a big deal. And then we're watching this Christmas movie in the, uh, in the living room. Now, let me just tell you real quick. We were a little frustrated at this point, really trying to get the Christmas spirit up because we had purchased this new house and we're living in a rental at the time and it's right before Christmas and the people that we bought the house from really were kind of pack rats and that's a nice way of saying it and they had really maxed out this home and so they asked for an extension uh, as we bought it for, for them to move out so they could get all their stuff out. So we had granted them a several week extension on this deal that were there but we really need to get moved in, it's Christmas time. So here we are, it's late December. Uh, Bethany and I had gone out on a date. We, we, we decided to drive by our house, expecting it to be open, you know, completely empty and these people gone. As we drive up, uh, it's dark outside. We drive up to the house. Every light in the house is on. The doors are wide open. There are multiple moving trucks, pods. There's people coming in and out like ants out of our new house that we're supposed to move into what, the next day, right? 
Yeah. And so we're thinking like, they'll have it clean. It'll be ready to come and you'll come in and receive our new home here. And instead it's like full of stuff. People are moving. It's crazy. And then the guy, uh, I'm probably going to get in trouble if they ever watch this on recording. But anyways, the guy that we bought the house from, it's an interesting dude. And, uh, he, he comes out of the house. He sees us there kind of looking through the thing. And I roll down the window and he goes, Jake, hey, see this stump? You could route it out and make it a planter. And I lost all Christmas spirit. And I, I yelled through the window. I said, you got to go, man. You got to go. Just like that. And he's like, oh, yeah, okay. You know? <laughs> like, We're trying to move in here. Anyways, um, is it wrong if the person deserves it? Is that, I don't know if that's a... Anyways, that's my Christmas confession there. So this is the, the scenario that we're in. We're trying to move into this new place. The people won't leave. Um, we are enjoying the Christmas spirit and we're there in our living room watching Jingle All the Way. Have any, anybody know the, the movie Jingle All the Way? Now, for those of you who might be unfamiliar with this film, allow me to enlighten you. It's been called the piece de la resistance of Christmas-themed cinema, starring none other than the gubernator himself. That's right, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Now, in the movie, Arnold promises his kid that he'll get him one of the season's hottest toys, Turbo Man. You guys remember this? Have you seen this? And he spends the rest of the movie battling the elements and other people and all this chaos trying to get this coveted toy. Now, just like any fine Arnold Schwarzenegger cinema, it's filled with Arnoldisms. You know, he's, come on, get off of me. Let me go. Get to the chopper. It's a real classic up there with the luminescent films of the modern age. It really is. So here we are. We're enjoying watching the Terminator wreaking havoc at Christmas when all of a sudden our entire house rattles with the loudest and deepest bone shaking crash and boom, our whole house begins to shake. The walls and the windows are like turning into jello and it's shuddering. Pictures come crashing down off the wall. A crack appears in this pillar, this plaster that, uh, in the uh, plaster covered pillar. It, it cracks all the way down like a lightning bolt. Uh, and this horrifying scraping, crashing sound emanates through the entire living room. And so at this point, we don't know what's going on at all. Some of you might have guessed, but we don't know. And we're panicking. We're like, what's going on? Earthquake. Did a, did a truck crash into our house? Is this the big bad wolf? He's here to blow our house down, you know? I mean, we are like little piggies. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, what's going to happen? I thought maybe Bigfoot, you know? Just logical thoughts, right, that you think. Um, how many of you believe in Bigfoot? Just real quick, straw poll, because I do, and there's no joke here. Okay, anyways, the logical thoughts, well, you believe in Santa Claus, so don't laugh at us that believe in Bigfoot. All right. The logical thoughts you think when you're, in case there's any kids here, there is a Santa Claus. I'm sorry. I, there very much is in a Bigfoot. All right. The logical thoughts you think when your house is crashing down around you. And so here's what we did. All of us, we jumped up from our place on the couch, and then we started to run in circles uh, in the living room, just like literally running in circles, right? Now, you might be thinking, well, why did you do that? Um, here's the deal. I, I know what you're thinking. Like, why would you just run in circles and cry and shriek and scream? Well, I always used to watch TV and I'd see people doing this, you know, they'd panic and run in circles. And I thought, you know, that's so dumb. If I'm ever in a crisis, I'm just going to act cool. I'll probably put on some aviator glasses. You know, if there's an explosion behind me, how many of you know real men don't look back at explosions? You just walk away. 
Like, I'll just be cool, you know? And that's not what happened. I'm running around in circles because when something, now that I've experienced it, when something so absolutely unexpected happens, there is no other course of action than to run around in, in circles screaming because all that fear and confusion and it has to go somewhere. So we just ran around in circles. And then it hit me both literally and also as a, a thought. It's a tree. And I yelled out, a tree, a tree has fallen on our house. We've got to get out. Get to the chopper. So we stopped running around in circles. I think at this point, we actually did a little family huddle. I don't know why we did that, but we thought if the whole house is coming down, Bethany and I with the little kids are going to be able to, you know, we'll, we'll shield them or something. Cause it literally felt like the house was coming down, but we run to the front door, we rip it open and there is uh, a complete tree has fallen on our house and it has totally blocked the entire front door. We can't get out that way. So this house that we're living in at the time is a split level and the garages actually have a living room. There's a staircase front door in that mid place. And then you go down the stairs into the garage where uh, the car is at parked in the garage. So we run downstairs to the garage below. Now, what we didn't know, and you might remember this from this time, it was in 2016, December of 2016, unbeknownst to us, an ice storm had coated the limbs of a 75-foot-tall fir tree that was on the hill above our house. Needless to say, that fir tree couldn't handle the weight and decided to pay a little visit to our roof. But it didn't just hit the roof. What it did is it broke into several sections, and so it hit the roof, broke over the, other, the apex of the roof, went down, blocked our front door, and blocked our garage where our car was parked, and fell across the street and hit the carport on the other side. Does anybody remember this storm in, in 2016? Did anybody else spend a few days in a hotel from having a tree in your house? Okay. So this tree has, we didn't know that had happened, but that's what, what had happened. So we didn't really know what's going on. So we run down the stairs. We load the kids in the car, which if you have small children, you know, is essentially like D-Day. Basically getting ready for D-Day and loading, you know, kids between the ages of one and five, is, it's the same thing. You're just loading them all up. Somebody throws up. I mean, it's the whole thing. It's exactly the same. So we load them into the car. It takes like probably two hours. No, not quite. But we get them in there. And, and, then, and then we push the button. We open the garage door. And there's a tree. Like huge limbs completely blocking the garage. And so at this point, we're, we're pretty much uh, panicking because we are completely stuck. And we're extremely nervous that the whole house is going to collapse down on us. But outside is frozen and, and a complete frozen wasteland. If you remember this storm in 2016, it was a, a frozen rain and it coated all the power lines and the trees. And so now that the garage door is open, we can actually hear what's going on outside. And it sounds like snap, crackle, pop. Because in South Eugene, in the hills there, there's all these trees. And so trees are just snapping and cracking and limbs are falling. And we're hearing crack, boom. And it's echoing through the night. Our neighbors, some of them are like peeking out. I mean, it's crazy. And that was the scenario that's going on. So in this moment of panic and crisis, we did what every rational, modern, survival-challenged millennial does in a time of crisis. We called 911. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a child of the 80s. You know, grew up as a kid in the 90s. And we had a show called Rescue 911. Anybody remember this? So this is embedded in my mind. Like, what do you do in an emergency you call 911, right? The other thing I know is if, if the bad guys are out to get you, you call the cops. Bad boys, bad boys, what you going to do, right? Anybody with me here? So we respond in the rational way. We call 911. Now, I want to stop for just a second here 
uh, interrupt my completely serious story because I definitely um, see some of you men, maybe like Matt, he's kind of a manly man. Some of you guys looking down at me here in this moment. Stop it, Matt. He's looking down at me because you might be thinking, well, why didn't you just man up and use your chainsaw to cut the tree out of the way? Do you own a chainsaw? I knew you did. I know you did. <laughs> uh, or you're probably thinking like, don't you have a tractor? Why didn't you use your guns or dynamite like a real man? Well, all of you men of the woods, I don't have, and I didn't have, and I don't have any of that stuff because, as you know, I make it a point of emphasis to avoid nature whenever possible. Here's the deal. I wasn't planning on nature paying us a visit for Christmas, and I don't have the usual accoutrements of outdoor life that some of you do, like saws, tents, torches, pitchforks, beasts of burden, tractors, dynamite. You know, I understand many of you enjoy nature. You love to camp. You love to traipse around, you know, and get ticks and get eaten by rabid wolves and all of the fun that camping offers. I mean, who doesn't love to sit around uh, with, you know, by a fire, get eaten by mosquitoes all day and then go to sleep on the ground at night, right? I mean, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. Here's the deal. There was a period of time where camping was completely appropriate. That time was called the 1800s. But we've moved on past that now, right? We, we pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for these wonderful climate-controlled, internet-enabled boxes that we have the privilege to live in. They have toilets, they have Netflix, and right? If you really wanna see the yellow-spotted warbler or watch someone get eaten by wolves, why not do it from the comfort of your couch while eating chili cheese Fritos in your underwear? <laughs> Just saying. But to each his own. So before Matt so rudely interrupted my story, Thanks, Matt. <laughs> Playing along. That's the problem. If you go to church here for more than a few years, you get picked on in a sermon at least once, you know? Yeah, that's how it goes. Uh, before Matt so rudely interrupted my story with his nature-loving judgmentalism, I was telling you about calling 911. Bethany frantically dialed those three hope-filled digits and was elated when the voice of one of our highly trained emergency personnel came on the line. 911, what's your emergency? Um... A tree fell on our house. A tree? Is everyone okay? Yes, everyone is okay, but we are stuck and we can't get out. Now, as an observer, watching and listening to this call take place, I assumed that this highly trained person, you know, was going to give this sage advice and immediate dispatch of capable help would soon be forthcoming. But I was wrong. Back to the call. 911. Well, I'm glad to hear everyone is okay. Because of the ice storm, it's going to be several hours before anyone can get to you, so we recommend you stay safe. Thank you. My wife's so sweet. Well, uh, there's a massive tree on our house and we're worried about it collapsing and crushing us to death. And we're totally trapped here with three little kids, so what should we do? 911. Well, stay safe. <laughs> Bethany, safe? 911. Well, um, you could call your arborist. <laughs> Time out. What? <laughs> Call your arborist? Like, first of all, who has an arborist, right? I mean, we actually do have an arborist that goes to church here. He was here in the last service, so that, that kind of didn't work. But um, who has an arborist that you're on such good terms with that you can call them in a crisis like this? So I, so I was thinking when I heard her say an arborist, and I'm thinking in my head, oh, sure, 
I've got my arborist on speed dial, right? Here's how it goes. Hey, John, how's it going? Jake here. How's Nancy and the kids? Great. How was that trip down to Bermuda? Awesome. Well, anyways, hey, great to hear. Listen, we've got a little situation here. Not a big deal for you. Uh, just a 75-foot-tall fir tree that is broken into three pieces, crashed into our house, the neighbor's house, blocking our car and front door during this ice storm that we're all going through because it's our entire city. I know it's 8 p.m., freezing cold, pitch black dark, all the power's out, and even the emergency personnel can't get here. But if you don't mind just swinging by and taking care of this <laughs> so we can get back and finish the movie, that'd be great. Needless to say, 911 wasn't much help. Uh, and at that moment, we certainly weren't feeling very Christmassy. The perfect Christmas was nowhere to be found. Now, as I think about that, at the time it was pretty stressful, but I think about it now and I look back and it's a funny story, but it also, this Christmas misadventure is a lot more like the first Christmas than maybe my hallmark memory as a child with hot cocoa and Christmas trees and the perfect smells and presents under the tree because the first Christmas was not picture perfect. Now you're probably familiar with it, but let me give you a refresher. You've got Mary. She's a teenager pregnant with the baby Jesus. And she and her betrothed husband, Joseph, have to travel 80 miles through very rough, rugged desert terrain, probably by foot, contrary to the popular images of her riding on a donkey. It was at minimum a four-day journey. Not super enjoyable, unless you're one of those camping people who loves that type of thing. But as the story goes, they arrive in Bethlehem, but the place is packed to the gills. There's no place to stay. And on top of this, guess who decides he wants to be born? It's Jesus time. Mary has to give birth in a stable, a cave, or some kind of place because we're told there's no guest room for them. Having never been pregnant myself, I can't speak to the relative merits of giving birth in a stable while you're exhausted from a hot, dusty, and dangerous four-day journey. But I'm guessing that it wasn't ideal. And why doesn't the baby Jesus ever cry in any of the shows or pictures? Now, I don't know a whole lot about that, but what I can guarantee you is that it wasn't like that Hallmark card moment. This was a real birth of a real baby in a real situation. And on top of it, you have these shepherds that come trudging in, wanting to see the baby, And I imagine that as a woman who's just gone through labor, that's not what you want is everybody trudging through. Bottom line, the first Christmas wasn't about everything being set just right. It didn't look like a Christmas movie or a Hallmark card. It wasn't a peaceful scene of domesticity. It was rough. It was raw. It was real. But it was also tremendously right. I'll invite the band to come out at this time. Bottom line, This Christmas was real, it was right. Because when you strip away the artifice, what you're left with is the authentic. What Christmas is really about. Not the gifts, not the memories, not the nostalgia, not the perfect cup of hot cocoa. It's about the gift, God's gift to us of his son Jesus. Divinity linking arms with humanity. God saying, I see what's gone wrong and I'm coming to make it right. And the beautiful thing about the real and true meaning of Christmas is that we all benefit even if you burn the turkey or make the mistake of buying your wife a book on dieting. Don't do it, guys. Even if it all goes horribly wrong and a 75-foot-tall fir tree falls on your house, help is on the way. Now, in our story, in our case, help looked like Pastor Mark Harpam. He's one of the people that probably has dynamite in his garage and knows how to survive in the woods better than me, right? So I called him and said, Mark, what do we do? 
And he came up and, and got us. It goes against my, my nature to ask for help, but as far as I know, there aren't any YouTube tutorials on what to do if a giant tree crushes your house in the middle of an ice storm and you're completely stuck. So I swallowed my pride and called a way more manly friend, and he came and rescued us. And he and Lori so graciously put us up for a few nights in their home. We were able to get right back to the Christmassy moment, Christmas spirit. And then we ended up spending several days in a hotel with every other person from South Eugene. <laughs> Unlike the original Christmas story, we were fortunate that there actually was room at the end for us. Christmas came and went, and now our misadventure is a funny story. But it reminds me, and I hope it reminds you today, that Christmas doesn't have to be perfect because when you remember what it's really about, it always is. When we think about the real meaning of Christmas and without being glib or trite about it, as bad as anything has ever happened to me at Christmas, the story is kind of funny, but at the time it was pretty stressful, pretty, pretty chaotic. There's nothing as bad as the real suffering and tragedy and brokenness of our world. And before Christmas, there was just an expectation of a Messiah, just an expectation of hope. But I think about God and his graciousness who had this plan. He who had made all new things was going to make all things new. And he started the invasion of our planet to take what was evil and broken and distorted and destroyed and begin to make it right. It started in humility and in this moment of sort of chaos and crisis, the very first Christmas when heaven's D-Day happened and Jesus shows up, not as an emperor on a, on a, on a great horse, not as a president, not as a politician, but as an infant born into a backwoods corner of the Roman Empire. And that's when light and hope and love were born. That's when it started. And that is what Christmas is about. And when you grab hold of that and you remember, as bad as things are, either, either in my life or in the world around me, there is hope because of Jesus showing up on planet Earth. We know the rest of the story. He lives perfect life. Scripture says he's tempted and tried in all ways, yet without sin. And as a 33-year-old man, he gives his life on a Roman cross, pours out his blood, and is that sacrifice lamb and is the, the hope of, of the world. Through his blood, all of us are reconciled and brought back to God. That's what Christmas is about. It's not a Hallmark card. It's not, a, it's not, this, it's not the things we wrap around it. It's actually that and something even better, like a light that emanates from the inside of that story. All of our traditions and things that we place on it are simply trying to capture the real spirit of what happens at Christmas. That God looked down and said, I'm gonna give you the best gift and I'm gonna make things right. So when I think about Christmas, that's what I think about. Because I look at the world around us and you know, we're so blessed this year that we don't have a tree on our house. How many of you are blessed not to have a tree presently on your roof? Praise God. You're already having a better Christmas than we did 2016. But there are things that are wrong. There are people that are lonely. There are brokenhearted people. There are children suffering. There in, just in our community is addiction and bondage and oppression and, and, and broken families. And then, man, let's not even do it. But if you zoom out to our nation, if you zoom out to the world, there is great suffering. But when I think about that, that suffering and that darkness, I remember there is a light and I'm a beneficiary of that light personally, but I also get to carry it and be a light in the world around me. And that's what Christmas is about. That's what we get to celebrate today. Amen. As we get ready to do that, uh, we're going to light these candles. Thanks, babe. Uh, if you got your candle coming in, this is your moment. Turn that bad boy on. And we're going to sing Silent Night. As we sing this song together today, what I want us to, to meditate on is that 
we are the light of the world. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Jesus was the first light lighting up the darkness. Now he lights up our darkness. He lights us up and we, as his followers, as his disciples, we live in our community, in our nation. We get to light up the darkness around us. Let God's hope, his love, his light shine and burn in your heart today as we sing this song. Amen? Go ahead and stand up. Let's sing it with all we have.
thank you so much for that holy night, the night that you were born. God, I just pray for every single one of us that we won't forget the gift of you in this Christmas season, that you came and you lived like us in order to save us. Jesus, we adore you. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.